I'm Dagny Forrest, a member of Painted Bride Quarterly's editorial and podcast teams. We're engaging in a little time travel with this episode, recorded back in December 2021. It features three poems by Oregon-based poet Lorna Rose and some healthy debate by our team, which resulted in three tiebreakers. Have a listen. Hello and welcome to the Painted by Quarterly Slush Pile. We're so glad that you're tuning in, turning on, clicking a button, whatever it is that makes you get here. Um, subscribe if you haven't, by the way. But um, yeah, so we're here to read some submissions to the magazine and discuss them and share our editorial process with you, our listeners. Um, so read along at pbqmag.org or just listen to our voices as we read these poems to you. And um, I'll start since I have the mic, as it were. I'm Kathleen Volk-Miller, and um, I'm in an unusual place. I am house-sitting for a friend of mine because contractors might be showing up. And she could no longer take any more days off because she's been uh, COVID traced a couple times and had to use all of her sick days last week. She's not sick, thank goodness. Um, but so I'm sitting in her home in case men show up to put in a gas fireplace. But it's pleasant and different. So here I am and I'm going to bounce it to um, Jason. We'll stay in America this time. Hi, Jason. Hi, I'm in my office um, in Tribeca in Manhattan. Um, a lovely, lovely space. Uh, my school is still a ghost town. Um, really? I love being the only one here. It's so nice. Um, yeah, it's actually, I mean, you know, you take one, you take your pleasure where you can find it. And um, yeah, there's there's a certain sort of wonder to like not hearing other people's voices on the other sides of the wall and, you know, being able to walk down. I mean, I don't do I, when I was at the Graduate Center, I used to do cartwheels um, in the hallway if, if there was no one around. But um, I'm not going to do that here because you have linoleum floors and like it just I'm I'm not 20, you know, <laughs> it's not time to do that. There's anymore. a risk, the risk but reward. There's a risk, right? I mean, yeah, like, like the, the hand washing afterwards would now be far more um, intensive than it once was. Um, but yeah, uh, here I am in Manhattan and I'm going to toss it back across the ocean to Marion Wren. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on doing cartwheels on the linoleum floors because if if we are lucky to be in Philly at AWP, I think cartwheels might have to be a conference yeah, challenge somewhere, right? Seriously, I, I, seriously. I, I, think yeah. I, I do not think it will take that many drinks before I start doing cartwheels. <laughs> oh, at the book fair, please. At the book fair. Please. Oh, not at the book fair. Oh, yeah. that'll, I'll, I'll draw. No, because because the, the whole pleasure is that you're by your you're doing something that draws huge amounts of attention attention to yourself, but you're doing it alone. Right? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, that's the perversity that, of it that I take pleasure. It's just in. the book fair is carpeted. Right. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> Stay with but me. I tend it's, to be sober during the book fair. 
it's 3 a.m. 3 a.m. in the hotel, the conference hotel. It's a cartwheel down the hallway. I think that's what's okay. going to be our. Okay. Our have you, have you booked your hotel yet? That's the What's up, babe? Have you, have you already planned? Have you planned your travel? I have not planned my I, travel yet. I have not gotten that far. I'm, I'm going to talk to Kate soon about booking everything, but I have not gotten that far. So inshallah, we'll all see each other live and in person at AWP. Um, but for now, I'm going to bounce it from here in the 50th year of the UAE celebrating National Day. Woo woo! To Alex, Alex in Long Island. Hello, I'm in my apartment. <laughs> Uh, where I can spin around like a Maria in the sound of music and nobody can say anything. <laughs> so <laughs> do cartwheel. Hopefully I can still do cartwheels. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I have my parents' legs. <laughs> Apparently they got that, like just the knees are already like. Uh, I wondered what you meant, my parents' legs. Yeah, I think that's what, the title of the episode. <laughs> my parents' legs. Well, my parents are both very short people, and there's no way I was growing past like five, six. It just wasn't in the cards. It's go. like two I'm hobbits married each other. <laughs> my mom's like five. What? How? Well, yeah, my mom was five. How, how tall are you? I'm like five, four. Oh, okay. All right. I am taller at five, six, but yeah. I, I just don't feel like it's that short. Like everyone thinks that when you're like five, six, you're like this. I know a lot of six and feet people, I guess, then. I don't know. <laughs> I have height dysphoria. I think I'm taller than I am, <laughs> unless I actually see my, when I see myself in the mirror with like friends who are six feet tall and I'm like, oh, you're taller than I am. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know. Like, I just didn't know. So I don't know. I just, I just don't feel, I don't feel short is what I'm I, 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 I'm the same, Jason. I am short and don't feel short. Oh my God. I love you guys. You know what? I have to say how much I love the way we bring our bodies into the conversation about poetry. Wait, are you like, tall? How tall are you? Me, I'm five eight, but with my hair, I look six two. <laughs> you know what they You're say: the higher tall. the hair, the closer to God. So. Amen, amen, my brother, amen. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> harmony, harmony. How tall are you? You're small. Um, five six. Five, oh, nice. Nice. This is a this is a perfectly reasonable. I, actually, I met Harmony in real life after working with her for two years in different capacities. We had coffee together, and I still thought that you were see. That's my that's my height dysphoria. Yeah, we were same 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 same. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I was gonna hint. Uh, well, we introduced Harmony. I also want to introduce Larissa as well over in Philly. Philly, right? Or yep. near Philly? Yep, still in Philly. <laughs> Um, I am also 5'6", but my Italian shrinking lady genes are finally kicking in. <laughs> I, I'm all personality and, and shrinking by the by the minute, I think. <laughs> all right, um, maybe that's the episode title, Larissa's Shrinking by the Minute. It goes with the, with the hoagie mouth. <laughs> I really appreciate all of the homage. I'll take it because I could, I could use the boost, but... Uh, yeah, definitely shrinking. And I met somebody last week for the first time that I've only talked to online, you know, on Zoom for the last two years. And he was short. <laughs> he was very short. <laughs> and I really expected him to be a lot taller. Um, so, and it's funny, it, that's happened the last probably two times I just met people in real life. Yeah. And they were shorter than me. And that rarely happens. I, I'm rarely the, sh the tallest one in the group. <laughs> so that makes me This is such a bizarre time. <laughs> Much earlier when the weather was still nice in Philly, I taught one of my creative writing classes outside and so everybody had their masks off 
And they were literally like that. We spent 10 minutes just looking at each other and giggling going. So that's what you look like. So that's what you after, after meeting for a few weeks, you know, but masks off, everybody's faces were so different. I literally walked past them and didn't recognize them. The whole group was together. I think more and more people have affirmed this phenomenon by which you actually make up a different face and you don't know that you're doing it until you see their face and it's not the face you made up. Yep. And then you're like, oh my God, who are you? You've been replaced. Yep. It's true. It's, it's, I have, I have no idea what, because, you know, he's meeting in person and then I had to move the class to Zoom because I had some symptoms um, and I'm fine. Uh, COVID negative, but um, oh my God, like I just, I didn't know who anyone was. I had, I had never seen anyone without their masks on. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yep, yep, weird times, weird times. But I guess we should get to it, you guys. We have uh, three poems here today, uh, all from Lorna Rose. And um, we're very thrilled that she has given us the honor to share these on the show. And um, do I have a volunteer to read the first one? Marion? Yay. I'll read. Yes, I'll read Liv Leaving Libya. Yes, please. Let me let me make it a little bigger on my screen because um, Larissa's only shrinking genes are, are actually impacting my eyesight. Oh, my Lord. Um, okay, so. Okay, here we go. Leaving Libya. I flood my lungs with the wet stench of fish and bodies and fuel, dinghy motors, wines. Sorry, I'm gonna start that over. Leaving Libya. I flood my lungs with the wet stench of fish and bodies and fuel, dinghy motor winds against the night. Salt air grinds my skin till it's threadbare and there's no sitting leaving sabratha. Body clenches tight to its bones and shrill muscles shriek and weep and lock up. Damp t-shirt clings to goose bumped flesh under a tattered orange life jacket, but what life? Next to me, a shaking woman holds her bony baby and cries. She has shit herself. Behind me, a man mumbles and mumbles for water. His eyes roll hollow, mouth slacks open. From his breath, I smell the thick stink of rot, the gray smell of forgotten humanity. Lights of the Italian coastline appear and my heart races, vision blurs. From somewhere behind, there's a jolt, yelling, floor tilts, and the lights of Lampedusa go black. Thank you, Marion. Great work. Yeah. So that's a that's a big risk. This poem takes a big swing and a big risk, right? Like the speaker is is positioned on a boat with migrants, right? So it's it's it it's a poem of witness and of and and almost a persona poem, right? Because it's it like I, I want to say it's fully a persona poem, right? This this person is a migrant, right? And at the same time, it feels like just so just so like sort of describing the 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 predicament of others, right? And bearing witness simultaneously. So it's it's doing a really complicated thing. 
Right. And I think, I mean, I don't know what you guys use as the gauge for whether you have the right to do that, or should I also say, I guess both things are things we need to talk about. Yep. And how successfully you pull it off, right? So, so I always feel that to pull it off, one has to talk about it in a way that not anyone could write, if that makes sense. Like to really own that voice, I think is, is really tricky, but you wanna bring up images and specificity that if I gave you all of that as a writing prompt, you're all immigrants, living Libya, write a prompt, go. Like, you know, images that maybe everybody wouldn't come up with. Um, and what I think she's done well here are the, um, when she gets to those individuals, there's certain moments too, like salt air grinds my skin till it's threadbare. That's a, you know, an amazing uh, use of language, amazing thing to think about. But the two, the two people, the shaking woman and the man whose stinks of rot, they, those individuals I feel are well painted for me. And I'm glad we got two other people as very specific individuals. So not just a ship of immigrants or, mm. right, escapees. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting because to come at this now, right, in 2021, where this has been out of the news for what a good five years. I mean, this was sort of like um, such a common sight and occurrence in kind of 2015, 2016. I think even going back to 2014. Um, and and I kind of it's it's still kind of unfathomable to me. I mean, I know that like I mean, I listened to a number of news stories in which they had first person accounts of um, surviving these kinds of crossings. And, um, you know, I mean, I mean it, it keeps the traumatic sort of seems to be this kind of um, frequent paradigmatic uh, lens and the, the sort of the two pieces of the traumatic as I understand it um, are one, the pieces of the, the, the past event that won't stay in the past, but also when the language is not commensurate to the event, that to simply say what happened in no way, shape, or form communicates right. the the gravity of what happened, right. and so I, th I think that the way that this poem moves forward um, by you know kind of a, a very observational um, mode that there there's not there, there's very little interpretive there's very little metaphorical um, there's very little figurative that it it just kind of stays really. Um, Concrete. focused on yeah on, on these like really concrete I mean you know we have a little bit the gray smell of forgotten humanity mm. um but but yeah. most of it you know she has shit herself this kind of very very direct mm -hmm. um explication of what it is that's going on um but it it's I, I'm a little my own reaction is to kind of shut down a bit um my my own reaction is is I'm I'm a little surprised at myself like I'm I'm sort of, and I'm thinking about sort of people who who you know and, and I think that this is part of why the redaction um, mm -hmm. has become such a popular form that the that the erasure poem you know with Salman Sharif um, with song um, with with various other you know the, the the erasure has become such a dominant mode um, I, my favorite actually is Tracy K Smith's erasure of the Declaration of Independence. Um, 
because it leaves out that space, right? That, that I, I think that like this poem kind of highlights how the sort of the directness of approach that the redaction avoids or kind of circumvents um, is often incommensurate to the traumatic in a certain way. And thinking about it, like, I love that formulation, Jason, right? Like that the erasure is, it's it's a tool for revelation in a way and, and re-narrating, um, reframing, and it, right? It, I mean, I, I know from, I mean, I, I've certainly never gone through anything like this, um, right. but I know that my own response to the traumatic is often um, a silencing. Yeah. That, you know, like you open your mouth to speak and nothing comes out because to say it won't help, right. um, to say it won't narrate it, but that what's happening, um, that what has happened doesn't match the language one has to speak it. And and this and a lot of this comes from Judith Lewis Herman's work, you know, and the and her idea of healing is narrative. Um right. her idea that that when one can make a meaningful narrative that itself is healing. And so a poem like this could be seen as healing. A poem like this could be seen as as a way of giving voice to something that would otherwise be impossible to express. Right. And and I guess that's the thing I want to I want to tie that comment back to what Kathy said too about who has the right to speak, right? Um, and are you saying it in a way that is is special and commanding, right? And it's and it's this like this who has the right to speak in this voice that I keep looping back to as well because, I mean th these are these are migrants from from Libya, right? Um, you know, seeking seeking asylum elsewhere, right? What's fascinating is is this like this sort of straightforward use of English, <laughs> right? There's no there's no um, vernacular. There's no uh, in, in it, like there's there's no Arabic in that, right? There's no there's no sense of um, the accent or the rhetorical attunement of another language pushing through this one. So the poet's not even trying, right, to put on the voice of 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 some the the of, of those who are on the the boat, right? So wouldn't wouldn't that if if she did. Wouldn't that be more problematic? Absolutely. That's what I'm driving at, right? So I think yeah. that's what I think one of the strengths of this poem is that it doesn't do any sort of like appropriation of, of language or voice. It stays in this sort of like sort of descriptive declarative position without imitating. I, becoming I mean, and I, I, right? Yeah. Because I and I feel like like it sort of directs us. It, it's a little bit difficult to talk about the ethics of the poem rather than the prosody of the poem. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, it, and it's funny because like I was um, friend of the magazine Kazim Ali was talking recently on Facebook about you know if you invite him to talk about poems, he's going to talk about breath. He's going to talk about the body. He's going to talk about you know like the way in which the poem happens in the body. And here we are, kind of like not. Are we talking about that or are we talking about something else right like are we talking about prosody or are we talking about because because also the other thing is like i feel like that question of the ethical is highly variable dependent on audience that oh. if this is an audience that has no idea that this happened 
um, then I think it might be an incredibly important poem in order to kind of bring an awareness of a sort of witness to bring, you know, the, to, to make someone aware of something is, is crucial. But if it's an audience that is aware, is it a co-option of voice? Um, is it um, a kind of trauma porn? Is it, I, I, I went to a refugee, I went to a, I went to a refugee, I went to a lecture on um, refugees in 2016 at the, kind of the height of the, um, or at the height of, of the visibility of the refugee crisis from someone who works very specifically on um, refugee policy. And she will no longer, she said that she had reached, she will no longer present anything about refugees. She will only present work by the refugees, um, but she won't use photographs um, of them. She will only use photographs by them. She will not use text about them. She will only use text by, like, and of course she's presenting numbers which are about them. Of course she's, you know, presenting a narrative that's based on her own research. But in terms of, you know, like, like that image of the toddler dead on the shore, right. um, did that change things? Right? Or did that make everyone who gets the New York Times feel sad over their morning coffee and then go about the rest of their day? I mean, it's it's you know, it's, I mean, this is this is a very old problem, I and mean, this is Richard Wright, right? I mean, you know, the whole the ending of Native Son is designed so that um, you don't get to have done the work by feeling sad in the book. That if you can't do the work by feeling by feeling sad at the end of the book, then you have to do the work. In the world, I mean, this was the complaint about um, the Passion of the Christ, right? The Mel Gibson movie that that if the if this is a if this is a three act revenge film in which the third act isn't there, and it's designed for you to go out and get that revenge in the street, um, you know, is is that something that needs to be tended to? Like, how does one kind of negotiate that. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of these questions are um, it, they're, they're very, very important. And yet they, they kind of, it's like if you read um, Paisley Rectal's Appropriation, right, where she doesn't have answers, mm -hmm. right? like she has meditations. Mm -hmm. And then in some ways, it's a very unsatisfying book, because it's placed in your lap reader, right? Like right. you have to reach a conclusion reader. Um, I'm not here to tell you what to think, but then we're the editors, right? So we have to make this call. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we need to have a conversation that, that reaches a conclusion. That's, and listen, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on this, right, is it starts with an I, right? I flood my lungs, right? Um, and, and so it is a first person persona poem in that sense, right? And it is doing this important work of bringing this, um, this refugee story forward, right? And, uh, you know, as Jason just pointed out, as editors, we do need to talk about this, right? Like, at, we are looking at prosody, we are thinking of craft, we're also thinking of the ethics of it, because in this context, I'm thinking of, um, oh, that, what was the poem, uh, How To by, um, I think it's Anders Carson, Carlson Lee. Um, oh. Where, right? Loaded vernacular poem. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that now. Right? First person yeah. and, the, and the editors had to apologize for publishing it, right? Because it, 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 it its provocations were, um, right. 
problematic. Well, like right? Jason said, that we're not we're not going to have an answer. We have to look at how well she did it. That poem got so much because he stepped so heavily on vernacular, right? That was like Kate Winslet's accent in the Mayor of Easttown, right? <laughs> Steps, you know, right. and so that's why it was, um, it was too much appropriation and not enough uh, honoring of a moment, you know, like this, this is, could be seen like in the best, the kindest things we could say is it's awareness building that it, um, you know, draws an empathetic arc yeah. that it might lead readers to do a little research and read about actually what happened, you know? Right. Um, so maybe we do look more at how it's done rather than what it's doing, because yeah. obviously creatives constantly adopt personas and, right. you know, and bring historical moments to life. And that's what this is attempting, right? Is it attempting it with grace and honor mm -hmm. and craft, right? All of those things. Yeah. So maybe craft, maybe we should talk more about the craft here ourselves and see if we get led to an answer. I, I was just wondering, like, does this poem <laughs> need to be in first person or? Did you say, does it need to be? Yeah, in first person. Oh, I think to give us this close-up detail, mm. absolutely. But I, Alex, I get, I take the question, right? Because it's also like a cinematic eye, right? Like it, it really feels like I as movie camera sort of like bearing witness, right? Um, with that, with those intimate details too, right? Mm -hmm. if, it, if it were, if it were an acrostic poem, say, if it were mm -hmm. just, you know, focused on an image of the refugees in one of these inflatable boats built for five people that's carrying 40 to um, the shores of Italy. Um, I think that would aestheticize it. And I think that um, the approach of the first person, I think leans into the humanity, um, but it raises the question of whether one can truly know what it is to be in that experience without being there. And 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 to some extent we do this all the time. Some like you're allowed to write poems, you know, from the voice of Moses or the voice of Abraham or the voice of, you know, um, right. George Washington or, you know, whoever it is, um, in order to kind of imagine yourself into something. Um, but the ethical stakes get raised if those people are immediate, right? Um, the ethical stakes get raised if those are, um, to use kind of the Spivakian term, a subaltern, who literally mm -hmm. cannot, who not, and, and when, when, when Spivak says, can a subaltern, when Spivak asks the question, can the subaltern speak? Um, she's not asking if they can talk. <laughs> she's mm -hmm. asking if they can be heard in a mainstream discourse. And so the question becomes, um, if someone can't be heard, right? If, if someone is so powerless, Mm -hmm. um, that they cannot enter mainstream discourse. How, how does one go about creating that voice? Mm -hmm. um, and is it possible? Right. I want all my questions open-ended. <laughs> in the end, we have to vote. <laughs> yeah, we have two more poems, so I don't want to rush this. We could always skip one of the other poems, but. 
Exactly. And I, I can't remember the name of, of this novel and I'm embarrassed of it um, that I can't remember the name of it, but um, oh crap, the author was a journalist and she studied um, migrant children, right, uh, refugee children uh, caught in this, in this diaspora and who are traveling alone and on their way to um, try to get to London, you know, through through Greece, through through Italy, through Paris, and um, and it's a first person novel, right? So she's a journalist. She does the research. She does a sort of like ethnographic project in talking to um, numerous ch uh, children, right? And then creates these characters as composites, and then speaks from that point of view, right? And it's interesting. It's just interesting that it it is like a function of fiction, right? To do that, right? That it is not only permissible, it's part of the craft, right? Um, although that backfires sometimes, right? When you're speaking somebody else's story and you have no, right? You know, it's it's not yours to appropriate, right? Um, yeah. I, I think these are also all, I mean, I'm trying to remember who's, who distinguishes between a, um, a scandal and a panic, that yeah. um, a panic, do you remember that formulation? But a, but a panic is when sort of, you know, everyone's like really freaked out about something. But a scandal is when there really isn't, uh, there isn't a way forward. There really are two very divided camps. And a lot of the cases that we're talking about, the Carlson Anders, the Carlson Anders We, um, American Dirt, um, it, these, these are really scandals. Like there really are um, two very strong perspectives and they really are open-ended. Um, and I don't think, that there is a clear consensus that emerged from those uh, from from those particular publications, um, and I think a lot of people would say there is one, and I I, I really disagree. Um, but yeah, with with. Do we want to do, like? Would we want to talk about the other poems that come back to this one because we're sort of so, because um, we're talking around the poem and we're talking about the circumstances of the poem instead of the poem itself. Yep. Okay. Well, you know what? How about how about we do this? Let's just do this. Let's just read it a second time. Let's just like get the the sound of the poem back on the back in this conversation, right? And then we can, if we want, we can we turn to the other two. What do you think about that? Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah, get ready, get ready. So All right. We're ready. here I go. So leaving Libya, I flood my lungs with the wet stench of fish and bodies and fuel. Dinghy motor whines against the night. Salt air grinds my skin till it's threadbare and there's no sitting since leaving Sabratha. Body clenches tight to its bones and shrill muscles shriek and weep and lock up. Damp t-shirt clings to goosebumped flesh under a tattered orange life jacket. But what life? Next to me, a shaking woman holds her bony baby and cries. She has shit herself. Behind me, a man mumbles and mumbles rudder. His eyes roll hollow, mouth slacks open. From his breath, I smell the thick stink of rot the gray smell of forgotten humanity. Lights of the Italian coastline appear and my heart races, vision blurs. From somewhere behind, there's a jolt, yelling, floor tilts, and the lights of Lampedusa go black. 
I don't know whether I should say this or not, but I'm ready to vote. I very firmly, yeah, I am ready to vote. Thank you. Me too. Okay, ready? Okay. Okay. Count it out. One, two, three, vote. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, slushies, after all of that conversation, we are at an impasse. Uh, we have an even amount of people here today, uh, and we are at an impasse. So we will have to uh, pass this along to a couple other of our editors, and uh, we'll, by the time we publish this, it'll be up on the show notes, uh, and you'll just have to go look and see. Uh, the, drama continues. Yeah, the, the drama, drama continues. Yeah, the drama continues. <laughs> wow. Man, oh, man. Okay. Who would like to read what I learned? We're going to move on. We could spend a lot I'll, of I'll take it. I'll take what I learned. Okay. What I learned. I read the weight of the air. Breathe carefully when he's there. Listen to the throbbing silence. I learn his breath smells like mints. His gaze has teeth. When I was little, I hid, barely spoke a word, calculated the tides. I learn to smile and look pretty. If I'm pretty, he won't bother me, or maybe he will. There are moments of love, speaking gently to me, sharing a joke, a front row seat at my recital. I get confused and think those moments are real and true and claw the sand for more learn to hide among the ruins. I look everywhere for my father. The sound of thinking. Um, I, I enjoy uh, my father as the final reveal because we kind of know that it, I think we get enough hints all along that it is the father. But at the same time, I could see why others would feel a bit too um, tricked maybe hoodwinked somehow, or that that's like a too, aren't I clever of a move to save my father till the end? Um, but I knew it was the father much earlier than that end. So it did not bother me. I liked it. Well, I suspected yeah, it, I was a, it was a father. Well, that's a good yeah, I didn't really interpret it as like uh, a final like twist. I like because I read I look everywhere for my father as like there's the version of the father that she experiences and she believes that there's like a truer this no my actual dad is like underneath this somehow like I didn't interpret that line as like great jazz hands which is part like kind of reveal of like uh it was more like more of a sad like somber like no, my dad, like, there's just still this, like, kind of naivete of, like, this is not really my father. My father's, like, in there somewhere, as opposed to, like, these are the choice, the, his actions, like, are the consequences of his choices, like, right. or whatever the story is. <laughs> I mean, he, he, the dad's a drinker in this film, right? Like, the mints and everything, like, and the tides. Like that's at least my interpretation of. Ah, it didn't jump to that, but I see that reading. I, you know, I thought it was a mercurial 
like mercurial man, a man that she was more intimidated and frightened by than felt loved from. But um, the mints might be, might be. Uh... Yeah, it felt it felt very ominous to me that there was a kind of real version and a fake version and the bothering and the um, the being pretty to avoid difficulty, but also inviting difficulty. Well, I like your use of the word ominous there because that's what this feels like, right? Like waiting for a storm, the weight of the air, breathe carefully when he's there, listen to the throbbing silence. You know, it feels like it's always under the surface. And that line that his gaze has teeth is frightening. That's yeah. just great, right? And so I, you know, I'm thinking a lot about what, what um, we were all talking about in the last poem, which is like, we're talking about the ethics around the poem rather than craft of the poem, right? And so I just wanna notice this one is, is very carefully composed as three line stanzas. Right. But the line breaks are challenging, right? Like, like there are some lines that are single words. Um, there are some stanzas, like the, the penultimate stanza, each line ends with a conjunction or a preposition Right, like it's a it's a very like herky jerky pacing created by those choices, and I'm and I wonder what y'all thought about that. Like, you know what? That, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Okay. I don't see. I I always this is one thing I have my students do. If you read the last word of every line, so we've breathed there, throbbing minced teeth, hid word tides, pretty me, will love joke recital, which I think is gorgeous, right? That's the theme, that's the essence of the poem. But in the penultimate stanza, stanza it's and, and, for, right? And like you said, it's prepositions in, at the end, but those, the beginning, it was really strong, I felt, the last words of each line. I mean, there's there's often a, a, a very strong constriction of the breath, but the way in which the, um, you know, if you, if you think about the beginning and the end of the line of stressed positions would carry like a little bit more weight. And so like, which which is why it's sort of distressing when you get to the end and it's like, and, and for, um, because it's the continuation that has no meaning, that has no kind of semantic meaning that is um, taking all of the weight. Uh, but I, I think it adds to that sense of the ominous. And so I think that part of what comes through in this poem um, which I do think is quite different from the previous poem, is that there's there's something we don't know that the speaker does. Um, there's something that's being withheld. And as the speaker kind of talks about, you know, looking for the father, that the, that the father is withheld from the speaker, but then there's other things that are withheld from us. And I, and I, I find that um, sort of nested withholding really satisfying at the beginning of the poem, but less so at the end of the poem. And like, I, I, I the, the variation in the line length sometimes got to me, like having, um, you know, a one line poem, or sorry, a one word line followed by the longest line in the poem, right. followed by a two word line. Um, it, it, it no longer felt like the line and the phrase were being shaped to each other uh -huh. for me at the end there. Yeah, I, I was just reading the penultimate stanza just because I, I like the idea of it, like there's in my head, it's a harried, like 
I get confused in these moments are real and like it's somebody's mind running but I can also see the argument that like it needs to like build up to that kind of and jumbled isn't the right word that kind of harried voice yeah it's more frantic at the I claw the sand yeah right because everything else before it is like like you said mostly like mostly nouns and like um for the most part um and then it kind of hits this moment and then it kind of goes back down again so um yeah do you want to vote yeah okay. i really have to say though i love that description jason of like nested withholding right like that is such a great description of, of part of the what makes this poem so compelling right like yeah. the way it withholds withholds and it's and the withholding is happening in so many different ways like i, I think that's a perfect way of, of of speaking of its project of its ambition right and the and the craft of it um yeah nice okay ready one two three shoot no way oh my god <laughs> how Wow. Oh my God. Holy mackerel. That never happens. Lorna. And it's not the same. Lorna, it's, what it's are you not, doing? Oh my goodness. Wow, yeah. Lorna. Oh, oh, that reaction. We should announce what happened. Um, we have okay. tied again. Maybe we should never have an episode where there's four of us. But it's a different okay. tie. It's not the same. It's, yeah, it's, it's not the, the same yeah, tie. Different, different, different people tie. have different aesthetics. Yeah. Okay. That's that is fascinating all right so I, I love this lorna rose project she's she's really challenging what is the limbo oh, episode? Are... the limbo oh, yeah. episode? The, i don't know what yeah. we call this well this is poetry right this is what right, right. this is why it takes us so long to get back to people why it takes us so even long. when we have an editorial <laughs> meeting we still kick it to a vote you know what though like honest to god it's like again hat glass half empty glass half full I swear, like this is this is an argument for publishing poems that can split a group like this, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They're fascinating and generating this this kind of a conversation. All right, yeah. let's let's look at the next one. Let's look okay. at the next one. Okay, can I do this one? Yep, 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 yep. Okay, surviving the rush. No music plays in the general store in Circle, Alaska, which is full of mucklucks and Wonder Bread. Villagers fish the Yukon, memorize river rise, bet on breakup. Long ago, miners arrived from outside to sift, chip, rip fortunes from earth. Stilts were drilled into permafrost and structures were imposed and all bustle and rage. Then claims fell dry and no patience and circle started to wither. The locals picked up pieces of buildings, tried to heal the pockmarked ground. Today, the tourist's crisp dollar might mean something, except the locals would have to tolerate the perfumey tourist. Villagers fish the Yukon, memorize river rise, bet on breakup, the soil smells of fool's gold and blood. 
So we should, we should go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say that the, the structure is really interesting because it has these three line stanzas alternating with kind of single noun or like one or two phrase lines. So like wonder bread, mm -hmm. break up from earth, mm -hmm. rage, yeah. wither, pockmarked ground, the perfumey tourist, fool's golden blood. So like there are these kind of like really emphasized um, words and phrases that come after a tercet to kind of kind of hold a huge amount of weight. Right. Yes. In the poem. Yes. I was. And, gonna... Sorry, I was just going to say. And KVM, that was a gorgeous reading. Like I, oh, yeah. the, the way the poem worked on you to work it, beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Lorna Rose, for giving me those words to say. Um, but let me. All I was interjecting in there yeah. is to the slushies again. Please remember uh, to take a look at. Um, pbqmag.org and see how differently all three of these poems are on the page, for sure, even if you stay with us. So one of the things I really admire about this poem is the kind of like juxtaposition of details, right? So of, of you know, mucklucks and wonder bread on one hand, right? Um, uh, betting on the rise of a river and then or rather, right, memorize the river rise, bet on line break, breakup is like gorgeous and forcing me to slow down as a reader in a way that feels like, as Jason said, like the weight is given to those individual lines that takes on a kind of like folkloric quality. Um, that, that just, it, I find it really compelling. I often saw the kind of rhythm that was quite different than the line breaks that were actually offered. Mm -hmm. um, like at the beginning, sort of no music plays in the general store. No music plays in the general store. There's sort of a, a really nice listening rhythm, but that's actually being pushed back against no music plays in the general store in right. Circle Alaska. Um, and so I often felt a kind of rhythm that um, was actually being almost kind of attacked by the line break, that there was, there was something um, I mean, I, I, I fundamentally believe that the purpose of the line break is to run interference with the syntax, um, the intonation of the syntax. Um, but here I was I was often kind of, I felt like some of the music was being sacrificed. Villagers fish the Yukon, memorize river rise, but on breakup long ago, miners. But it, you know, what we actually get is villagers fish the Yukon, memorize river rise, but on breakup. And and so there, there was a kind of. Um, uh, parsing of the po of the poem that actually kind of like interfered with some of the music for me. Mm -hmm. Which I'm sorry, isn't the first line no music plays? Just kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no music plays. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I am like my two points of reference for Alaska are my friend from work who lived most of his life in Alaska. And then somebody who I interviewed who wrote about his like living in Alaska and he moved to New York. And of course, he knows my friend from work because the gay scene in Alaska is very tiny. So they all, they both know each other. I'm like, oh. I, so, but the, like the two cities of Alaska that I know off the top of my head are like Anchorage and Janelle, which I think I'm pronouncing incorrectly. And those, but those are like South Alaska. They're either like the, like going up the side Juneau? of Canada 
Do you know Alaska? No, what do you mean? The, the, I said, the, sorry, oh, I the, know of Alaska. I mean, oh no, right. I, the, the the city ah. like Juno is spelled weird, but it's it's Juno. Yeah, did I say it wrong or? Okay, I think you oh. said Janelle. And I was like trying to. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being a dick. <laughs> I'll shut up. <laughs> Needless to say, I don't know much about Alaska, but I know those are like the like either they're along the side of Canada or it's like the south of the like the, that big chunk of Alaska. And circle, like, if you look at it, it's like in the middle, like, it's like mid Alaska, mid mainland, uh, like Alaska. So it's like nothing's there, or except the, the river or something like that. So, so like, and I was also like, we're talking about those like um, single line stanzas and like trying to get the, logic of like why these words break up kind of the music um because it's so like if we just take those out it's wonder bread break up from earth rage wither pockmark ground or perfumey tourist fool's gold and blood and i'm trying to like kind of get is there something tying that together? And I don't think I fully found that yet. Well, listen, I love that you described that they, that they break up the music. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, because again, you're using That's the very words of the poem to say what the poem is, is doing, <laughs> which is just fascinating, right? Like that, that, is, that is just fascinating. Um, and I guess I, 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 the thing that I also want to point out too is like um, to Alex's point about uh, Juno, right? Um, there's an eco poetics here, right? Like there's there this this um this like paying attention and description of the relationship between the the villagers and the and the perfumey tourists is it's um just a, a, again a sort of interesting tension, right? That the that the speaker is is busy describing. But the history also starts with miners. There's sort of no. That's true. Earlier, <laughs> there's no one there when we know there were people there. But isn't that the point, right? Long ago, miners arrived from outside, right? That they're different from the villagers. Outside with the capital O. Oh, are they? I'm, I'm, they're, they're I guess the I'm reading it wrong. Then. Yeah, those are those are. That's yeah. exactly the point, right? That people were already there. Right, and, and outside is capitalized. Yeah. Do you yeah. understand the? Capitalization. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's consistent in this one. Out, yeah. I mean, I guess outside was just to delineate how outside they are, right? Outside, right. outsiders. Right. Uh, do, do we want to oh, vote or do sorry, we want to talking? Notice that villagers fish the Yukon, memorize their rise, bet on breakup, shows up twice. I didn't catch that the first time. Yeah, yeah. Except it's different. It's uh, broken up different broken up differently um yeah okay yeah. there's these little like pieces that are like oh it's doing this and that that like oh like I'm not sure yeah hmm. well Alex I mean I think that's that's one of the things we sometimes talk about is like do, if you're if you look at the poem a second time third time is it rewarding the the reading right like does it hold a does it hold you and b does it reward the rereading? And when I when I listened to Kathy read it, I saw that, right? The villagers fish the Yukon memorized river rise, but on breakup, 
is like a, it's repeated from the top of the poem, but the lime breaks sit differently here, right? And the soil smells of lime break fool's golden blood is the is the sort of mic drop ending, right? Um, but it's reiterating what it what what was said in this, in that sort of stilted fashion at the top, which just for me, it's like that. I don't know. This author is really like being playful with those, with the way it's breaking up the sound, which with the way the music is, is, is still, is intentionally stilted. So what do you think? Are we ready, ready? ready to vote? Yes. I think. I think I... Okay. okay. One, two, three, vote. <laughs> this is record breaking. Oh my God. Oh uh, my guys, God. <laughs> three ties and three different configurations yeah, of ties. Yeah, three ties and it's been a different combination of voters. Insane. Oh my goodness. That's insane. I pull my hair out from its roots. Wowzers. That's amazing. I don't think we've ever had that. That's never happened. Never, never have it's I ever. Never happened. Never that's never happened, happened in, in, in person. That's there. Oh, like, no. And I oh, love that Larissa, Larissa thinks it's Mercury and retrograde. I I think you might be right. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to just just always like, you know, make the lemonade as it were, as Marion said earlier. It's it's interesting when we're divided like that. And at our last open editorial meeting at Writers Room, which slushies who live locally look look and as, as you know, hopefully soon we'll be able to throw these open editorial meetings in some other spaces as well. Um, but anyway, at, we said yes to at least three or four things, and the vote was very close every time. We did have an odd amount of, odd amount of people, but we had like seven to five, you know, uh, eight to seven. Like it was so amazing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And um, there was one poem that everybody was a unanimous yes. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it was just conversation and really close counts every time. And I felt happy that they were going in for exactly the reason that Mary yeah. said earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, that 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 instead of always just slam dunks. Right. You know, it's so, kind of interesting, right? Kath, I have I have to say, like, you know, and when you think about this and, and Lorna, when you listen to this podcast, right? <laughs> Like this is like the ambivalence that sits here is a really um, remarkable and it speaks to the power of these poems, right? The, and the fact that we spent an hour sitting with them like they're the only thing that matters and that they could hold our attention like that is really a remarkable gift, right? To to have shared these with us and, and let us just sit with them. Yeah, and I think we would have talked more if it wasn't for the crunch of time, right? Yeah. Each yeah. one. I think oh, yeah. One, yeah. 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 Hurrying along because we need to. And right. speaking of hurrying along, I'm, I'm now five minutes late for our next. So, okay. uh, again, slushies, uh, you will have a result in the notes by, by now. We'll do something so you'll know. But uh, we don't know. You'll know. We don't know. <laughs> Time is ribbon candy and um, much love. Please tell us how we're doing and thank you and keep reading. Woohoo! Thank you, Lorna Rose. Wow, Lorna thank Rose. Thank you, Lorna. Thank you, Lorna.